your best customers are the customers that you already have, your current audience. They're your best and most loyal and advocates of your brand. So how do you continuously communicate with them? But also how do you then incentivize them to recruit new customers? Because we all know recruiting new customers is a lot more expensive. But if you still have the ability to communicate and retain your existing customer base in this current climate and you haven't lost those customers, you're not in a bad place, to be honest. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingsett. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I talk with Dylan Solanke, UK and EMEA director of Sprout, which is a CRM marketing platform, giving insights for hospitality operators to improve their customer experience. Dylan talks about their learnings from observing their clients during the pandemic and how they've been communicating effectively with their customers. The ones who have been in regular contact with their customers have seen better engagement and sales after the first lockdown ended. We discussed the power of email marketing and what you can achieve by utilizing your CRM database to tell your unique story. Dylan says he's been so surprised to see the amount of passion and care operators have shown during the pandemic, how they have stepped up and gone beyond what is expected, helping feeding NHS, frontline employees, children in need, even when their businesses was at the brink of bankruptcy. We discussed the rapid development in digital transformation that's happening right now across the industry and the importance of striking the balance between tech and human interaction right. We reflect on how you keep yourself in the right mindset and boost your mental health as you go through the winter months. But before you tune in, why not sign up to our Maverick community newsletter and get great insights and leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. We'll need to go through this together, so happy to talk to you. So please book a chat with me on hospitalitymavericks.com. Don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. So grab headphones, notebook, and enjoy. Today is a couple of days since we had the announcement from the Prime Minister that we're going to have a lockdown in this week on Thursday, and we are a couple of days away from that. And for this episode, I actually have a, a guest that will be very relevant uh, to talk with, not only because we have this situation, but in general, because we're going to have a period now, a time where we are not in face-to-face -face connection with our guests in hospitality. And uh, Dylan uh, and I had a conversation some time ago, and actually at this point we didn't know there would be a, be a lockdown here. But Dylan works for a company called Sprout that actually helps you uh, with uh, checking in your guests and make sure that you follow the COVID regulation, but also he makes sure you're connected with them when they're not in your space. So Dylan, welcome to the podcast, and uh, please tell the uh, the audience a bit more about what you are, what your background is, and also what is Sprout is all about. Sure. Well, thanks very much, Mike, for having me on the uh, the podcast. It's appreciated. So my name is Dylan Solanke. Always been in hospitality for the last 15 or, or 20 years, funnily enough, from ranging from nightclubs to restaurants, bars, from a marketing and an operational background. Um, and the company that I, I work for now, uh, that we've almost launched a new CRM marketing platform in the UK, is called Sprout Send. So originally an Australian-based business, we've been operating for the last 10 years, had tapped out and almost gained market share of the Australian market and wanted to launch their new Sprout platform in other territories and other countries. So they felt the UK, certainly um, Europe and, and UK were a prime target for them, especially because of the fact that from a cultural perspective and a language perspective, there's great alignment. But also in the last five or six years, the hospitality industry has been extremely buoyant maybe or perhaps probably not in the not not, not in the last six uh, six seven months but it's been extremely buoyant so they felt the uk was a good fit to launch their new product and their platform so i joined the business and launched it here in the uk in june of 2019 and we've had some great traction today so essentially in a nutshell how the platform works is it gives the ability for brands and operators to aggregate your data so if you're a venue, you'll have data coming from multiple different channels from your website, your Wi-Fi provider, your reservation platform, your loyalty app, ticketing, and any other third-party platform that you might have data sitting in that you're collecting from your audience and your consumers. That data essentially creates a single view of a customer. 
It understands their likes, their dislikes, their interests, their buyer behavior, their recency, the frequency of visits, which then allows you the second part of the platform to manage and structure and segment that data. And once you've got that in a data in a place where you then want to start to communicate with that, the platform then allows you to leverage the different communications tools, whether it be whether email, SMS, automations, triggers and a whole load of other functionality as well to ensure that you're targeting the right consumer, your right audience in a one-to-one relationship um, and uh, conversation at the right time. And over the last 12 months, we've managed to do that for a host of different types of businesses across the hospitality sector, from late night venues, restaurant chains, bars, hotels um, and leisure venues. And in March, obviously, COVID happened and we, we see ourselves in a, in a pandemic, uh, which is quite crucial um, and almost make or break, really, I think, for the hospitality industry, where they've gone through a huge amount of um, stress. Um, and it's been extremely tough for, for the operators, but also uh, for suppliers as well. What I think is really interesting with, you know, one thing is that you, you help with some, uh, some uh, compliance stuff around COVID. But I think what is really interesting, because I'm a, I'm a big believer in that storytelling and telling the story about your business to the, the consumer are one of the key skills you need to have as a hospitality business going forward. Uh, something we always have been quite good at uh, when we had way back when you think about the mom and pop restaurant, there was always a story behind it. It was always about coming down to see the owners, and that's going to become you know you know very critical that people because consumers going to be more savvy than ever. They still want to spend money, but they want to spend it on things they 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 know they like the trust and also where they feel a deeper connection. So I guess that ability to to communicate and understand your customers inside out needs and wants makes it easier to tell that do the storytelling in the right way and then use the email platform as well i don't know if that's something you guys have seen yet as well yes absolutely and i think when we went into lockdown um in march and april of this year it was paramount that operators still continue to communicate with their customers and we in fact encouraged our customers to to maximize the value within the platform to communicate to their to their audience and we did a small test and where we saw operators who did not communicate with their audience over the three or four month period during lockdown the engagement was slightly less post-covid when they uh, sent out uh, campaigns versus um, operators who were continuously communicating with their audience over that three or four month period and i think it was quite crucial we almost encouraged all our operators um, and our customers to continuously communicate, not just to their customers, but also using the platform to communicate to their staff who are on furlough as well, which, just as, which was obviously just as important. But for us, it was really crucial that brands still talk to the consumer in the right way. And regardless of whether they were open or closed or they decided to pivot, whether it be by a delivery model or taken on a voucher platform, it was still continuously ensuring that that brand was top of mind for that audience, for that customer. Um, and there were some amazing initiatives that brands were taking on, whether it be live streamings of chefs making recipes or sending out recipes for some of their signature dishes, cocktail making classes, which were streamed online, Spotify list. It was amazing and really creative in terms of what some of the brands were uh, showcasing and talking to their audience. And what we found was certainly those brands were continuously communicating um, on the back end of lockdown, or certainly when we came out of it in, in August, July and August, the response and engagement level was a lot higher than brands not communicating to their audience um, whatsoever. Um, and what we try to do is to support our consumers because yes, you know we're a plat- you know we have a platform, and it has to have the ability to communicate to your audience in the right way. But where our value comes in is having been ex-operators and marketers within the hospitality industry. We can add value in terms of developing the comms and, and digital strategy to help them through that customer journey almost. Um, and essentially where you have your bricks and mortar customer journey, we've had to help venues and brands transfer that online. So your web, um, how they're engaging uh, uh, with consumers, essentially from your, your web online shop front became a lot more important. But also with in line with that, the content that's being pushed out, whether it be via uh, their audience, their database, but also their social media channels and any other communication channels that they that they use uh, as a, as a, an integrated approach. So for us, it was really really important, and we made a, an additional initial decision right at the very beginning that we're all in this together. Uh, we've all come in this together, so we all want to make sure that we come out of it together. 
if we don't help our operators and our customers, you know, in time of need, they won't be around in six months. And essentially, we won't be around or suppliers won't be around either. So we took the view that we're in this together. We want to work together. We want to make sure that whether it's commercially we help them or helping them develop their comms and digital strategy during lockdown and post lockdown was uh, was extremely, extremely important for us. And we always made sure that our customers were, were at the forefront of everything that we that we did. Yeah, and it's quite interesting with, uh, you know, what, what, what you can do with a, a simple newsletter. And I think often has been, you know, often very product folks in uh, focus in hospitality, but there's so much else you can tell in that newsletter. And, and one of my favorite books I, I read around, you know, because at some point I needed to myself to find out in my businesses, how do we actually utilize this uh, CRM database we have with people signed up for things because they're just lying there we not really communicate with them and I, I read a book at that point i don't even know it it's called do open by david hired and and he transformed his businesses through newsletters because they have this great businesses out in wales that makes jeans and nobody be, really knew about the story that they actually bought it out an administration from a marks and spencer's factory and saved jobs locally and they have the best quality they're maybe not the cheapest, but they have the best quality and they 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 produce on demand in a way. So there's many things in that story. And and when he started communicating that, sales went, you know, mentally uh within a very short period because people got a story. And of course he was good at writing. I'm not saying every writer should be a copywriter now, but uh but it's again it's something that could be learned and it's so powerful that connection you have because I don't know if this is true. I think I read somewhere and maybe you know that's better than me, that actually email is still the most powerful communication tool uh, above social media when it comes to really get, you know, core customers' attention. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a balance really as well because it's also dependent on the audience uh, that you're communicating to and how they want to be communicated in the right way and also at the right time as well. And Something that we have within our platform has the ability to test uh, different types of content, different timings to see what likely their audience is going to engage with. But you made a good point there, Michael, actually. One of the, the most important lessons I learned being a marketing hospitality is that your best customers are the, the customers that you already have, your current audience. They're, they're your best uh, and most loyal and advocates um, of your brand. So how do you continuously communicate with them? But also how do you then incentivize them uh, to recruit new customers? Because we all know recruiting new customers is a lot more expensive. But if you still have the ability to communicate and retain your existing customer base in this current climate and you haven't lost those customers, uh, you're not in a bad place, to be honest. Um, and it's similar to us as a business. We've been able to retain you know, luckily enough, 100% of our customers um, who are using and continuously are, are using our platform. But we've also managed to gain some customers uh, along the way as well during this, during this period. So I think it's really important that you harness your existing database and you protect your, your consumers, but continuously communicate with them in the right way. And I'm not saying necessarily you start blanketing, communi- you know, communicating with them. It's very much based on the behavior and the data you already have about them when we've aggregated that data, uh, whether it be via Wi-Fi or their reservation platforms, you know the last time they'd actually visited your restaurant, um, how many times they visited your your, your your venue. So then you can start to determine who your advocates are of your brand, who are your loyal customers, who are your lapsed customers, for example. And then you start to segment your, your audience in a way that who you want to um, communicate to more aggressively and who you want to maybe communicate and just ensure that you're top of mind so when venues do come out of lockdown and certainly you know hopefully in December when we do come out of, of you know I hope that venues start coming, you know we all come out of a lockdown in the first week in December they're the people that are going to turn to it's the brands who continuously communicate with them and and be being almost on their side uh, like we have to be on our customers side and help them they also need to be on their customers side to help them through this process as well with engaged content which is going to be relevant to them so I think it's extremely important that you're protecting your existing database essentially it's your it's your digital asset um, of the business and the more you protect that i think the more beneficial and the more it will pay dividends in the in the long run for the business yeah and i i think it's so interesting again that uh, you know that, that it's a bit like planting seeds when you you're utilizing your your database it's not like something that's gonna convert straight away but it's a bit like see is that how do you keep your best customers and how do you know how they are changing as well 
during this period. I guess as well, that's so critical right now that we're all changing as, as individuals and way we do business, how we live our life and uh, everything is changing. And having an understanding where your core audience are moving, I guess that's extremely important compared to, you know, product experience, what they expect, so on. Absolutely. And I think, you know, consumers' taste and behaviors, you know, constantly change. I think certainly it changes a lot more based on different segments. So when you look at the millennials, for example, they're a lot more fickle. They're not as brand loyal as potentially our generation. Because I'm not saying that we're, that we're old, but I think, you know, from generation to generation, uh, the behavior of people does does change. Um, and, you know, the younger generation, they're, they're probably not as, as, as loyal as, you know, potentially, you know, we were back in, you know, back in the day. But I think what's also most important is, well, where businesses have had to change uh, or, or sorry to say, as consumers changes their behaviour, businesses have also had to change and pivot. For example, as well, and you know, we've just seen the number of brands who have been able to adapt to a delivery only model or click and collect model. You know, it's been amazing you know, how quickly operators have been able to change. And we also, as a businesses as well, has had to look at you know us and how we can help and, and help businesses also look to adapt. And we've looked at other sectors within hospitality. Um, you know, so potentially leisure venues that we've not really um, had a, a, a huge amount of coverage in. We've been able to get some good coverage within the leisure and the hotel industry. Um, also working with DJs and the event space, which has worked quite well for us as well. But also looking at our, you know, our current feature set and functionality to see how we can use the time wisely to adapt and evolve um, going into the future as well. So I think it's. Uh, uh, people's changes, uh, people's behaviour does change. Uh, I think suppliers uh, and brands at the same time need to also adapt as well. And I think you know we're in a in a in a, in a sector where hospitality is extremely resilient. You know they're they're survivors. We're survivors. You know I've not seen any other sector and industry who's got the heart and passion like the hospitality industry has. And I think it's the passion that you can't manufacture that. You either have that or you don't in this industry. It's not the cash. It's not the money that drives people. I think almost that becomes a byproduct. And yes, everyone needs to have a comfortable living um, and needs to eat. But it's the passion that drives these operators uh, and people who work within this industry. You know, constantly, you know, working hard seven days a week. It's not a nine to five. It's almost a, a lifestyle for for hospitality businesses. And even in the last two or three weeks, as we've seen, you know, hospitality's backs are up against the wall with the rent, the rates. Um, labor you know staffing and furlough then we've got covid to contend with and even then in the last two three weeks hospitality find a way to feed underprivileged kids and school children you know it's phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal it's amazing to see it you know i don't think there's any other industry that 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 caters or has the ability to facilitate you know that heart that type of heart you know you don't get you know a huge amount um in any other industry and it's in abundance um you know even though they're in that predicament and their businesses may be on the brink of uh collapse they're still there to help people because the hospitality industry is, is, is a people-based business you know it's all working together and that's why we made the decision from the beginning you know our customers our friends you know we want to work together we want them to survive um and look after their customers um in the right way and communicate with them in the right way so i think that's taught us a lot certainly as, as a business and the biggest learning we've had as, as, as a business is how resilient um and how protective the, the the business is people working in the industry it's almost like family you know even when you look at the you know ground up with the servers bartenders you know they've developed almost a second family so you can imagine what they're going through at the moment. So if there's a, every any little inch that we can help businesses, and I'll come in to talk to you about how we help businesses by our, our free tracking tracer app, you know, we, we, you know, we'll certainly help. And the other kind of learning I'll, I'll probably discuss, in, I'm sure we'll discuss in depth about, is, is the value of data um, and harnessing and protecting their existing or the, the brand audience to communicate in the right way during this this period. 
Yeah, and I, and I think it's very interesting, as you said, that was a very good example about feeding school kids. And uh, I don't know if you've seen in the news today, Burger King went out and called upon public to support McDonald's. This is like, like yeah. unheard, you know, uh, and they say not just McDonald's, but any any restaurant business or chain that you can support in any kind of way through this will have a massive impact on, you know, keeping the industry moving forward. Uh, and that was a, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I said, okay, okay, well, that that really shows that you know, the industry is like you know coming together. And you can say it's a marketing stunt. And uh, uh, I actually don't think it comes from that because that's a dangerous play to do if you're playing it as a marketing stunt. I don't think that's what they do. I think they genuinely because I know the the CEO of Burger King in the UK has been quite active as well in this campaign of trying to keep the industry together. In a way, but it's so interesting to see these changes of dynamic that would never have happened before in the industry, and it shows when you take off all the, you know, all the the games and politics and things like that. It's, it's just like raw people that's in there that care about each other. Absolutely, it's it's about people wanting to do well, wanting to give people experiences, working together, you know, as a family, and and you know the number of collaborations and partnerships. Um, that we've seen has been phenomenal to be honest even you know brands you know uh, brands versus brands for example you know one of our customers Shake Shack have you know teamed up recently with Patty and Bun you know essentially you could say you know it, you know they're still in the same sector as such in terms of they sell sell burgers almost competitive each other but they've come together to create a collaboration for in-home dining kits so I think we'll see a lot more of that um, going into the future as well. But yeah, the number of partnerships, collaborations, and even us as a business working with a number of other SaaS platforms, whether it be gifting or feedback or loyalty, it's been, it's been amazing, to be honest with you, um, in terms of the camaraderie and, and people working together towards the same goal, essentially, because we all want to survive. We want the industry to survive. And... Um, one thing, yes, certainly that it has taught me is the resilience. And you know, we are survivors. Don't get me wrong; absolutely, there will there will be some casualties, unfortunately, um, during this period. And we've already seen quite a number of casualties over the last six months, and there'll probably be more to come. Uh, certainly, if not by the end of the year, by the first quarter of, of next year, uh, which is heartbreaking when you when you think about it in terms of the time and effort and investment and sweat, blood, and tears that operators have gone into. Um, but it's you know just as a, as a business for, for our point of view, just making sure that we're there with you know we're there for the operators and we're we're for the brands and their customers every step of the way in any way that we can help. Absolutely, you know why, why wouldn't we? You know we're, we're all in this together. I think it was interesting, uh, you know, learning you said as well that around the the operators. Uh, how have you have learned this thing? You know, you mentioned the thing with heart. Is there any other things like you know in in the pandemic where you think like, wow, I would have never seen that coming? Um, is there other things where you think there's like really worth uh, touching on here? Yeah, of course. I think um, I, I I always knew, and we always knew, and I think most people in the industry knew that technology was going to grow, um, and the importance of data was going to grow. But I think almost because it was a pandemic, it's probably fast forwarded everything three or four years and the, the technology or the rise of technology in hospitality has grown exponentially, you know, it's huge. Um, you know, who would have thought QR codes would have come back in action? Uh, come back, you know, unbelievable. Um, you know, I think the fact that technology in hospitality is become a lot more prominent, become a lot more important. I think the rise in e-commerce, I think the rise in brands and venues now trying to pivot and sell their products and merchandise um, online is grown and, and will continue to grow. Um, but there's been phenomenal um, examples, you know, with even the likes of, you know, Pret and Mondre, for example, have decided to to create their subscription uh, model as well. So there's lots of creative ways that I think brands and venues have had to change paths slightly. And I always like to say one of my favorite phrases, you know, stay in your lane, absolutely stay in your lane in terms of the values and the culture and what you stand for. But at the same time, a business still needs to generate cash to survive. So still, you know, understand your principles, your core values as a business and what you stand for and what you've been achieving in terms of the customer journey when venues or when when uh, customers have been coming in and out of your venue. But then how do you then translate that from the online, uh, online perspective? And I've seen lots of that happen from various different brands 
I think the fact that, you know, the likes of Deliveroo, Uber Eats, Just Eat, I think have capitalized, you know, on the market in terms of delivery, which is great in one way because it gives the or appeases the need for, for customers wanting to have their favorite brand in home. However, I know and fully aware, and I'm sure you'll be fully aware, Mark, of the, the margins that they take, um, you know, is, is slightly criminal, really, certainly in this time of need. I understand they need to be a profit-making business, but at the same time, uh, venues need a helping hand. And, you know, I think that's, that's an area that certainly I think will continue to continue to grow as well. But I think essentially in terms of, you know, the rise of different concepts, I think technology it's become huge. I think the aggregation of data, so the ability for brands now wanting to aggregate their data from all the different channels to ability to communicate to the right customer at the right time has been fast forwarded a lot more because they want that engagement. They want that customer and that lifecycle of that customer to be extended as long as possible by hitting with the right touch points. I think the guest experience um, in terms of, I think when I was at Itsu, um, or Starbucks, I think last week, where when you purchase your your coffee, all the other condiments are kept behind back of house now, not at the forefront. But again, trying to reduce the amount of risk or spread of risk of germs or anything like that whatsoever. So I think operators are going to have to be mindful, not from an operational perspective, but also from a, a marketing perspective, uh, in terms of how they how they look to communicate slightly differently in this environment. I think. How do you see technology's role in all this? Some some people talked about technology is going to transform the the industry, or do you see it more like a a support mechanism? Uh, because we talked a lot about before that hospitality is a people business. Yes, I, I would like to see it as a as a in my opinion, I'd love to see it as a support um, mechanism as opposed to a complete overhaul of how customers should be uh, you know facilitated or in terms of customer journey in the venue now we all miss the human element I think all working from home over the last four or five months and I can imagine when customers and myself go to restaurants yes the order at table uh, phenomenon is grown and, and the number of operators um, that have launched their table app uh, the table, uh, pay table app over the last few months is grown massively and I understand that and the reasoning for that is well however I wouldn't like to see the human element of servers you know, taking orders and having that relationship because hospitality is based on relationship. That's why we work within this industry and people need human contact. And I'd be extremely sad if that got taken away completely. I certainly see a role for technology from a communications perspective, from almost before a consumer or a customer goes into a venue, they look online, they look at the reviews, they want to book a table. That should all be seamless. But then how did it get communicated to prior um, and after uh, the customer uh, customer journey is extremely important as well. But then when you're in your venue, how are you communicated to? How are you talked to? What is the process? Is it through the pay table app? Um, you know, is it through having to download um, through the QR code? You know, what are those different touch points that consumers are uh, experiencing? And the more touch points, great because it's building that relationship. But if it's not human interaction, I think customers will start to start to certainly um, w- w- wane off a little bit. I think I think it's a bit of a balance, really. You need technology and technology to continue to grow, but I think the human element is, uh, is extremely important. And when we've got other platforms that are coming into place, which also helps brands uh, drive incremental cash, such as the gifting or pay it forward or the vouchers, all great initiatives and absolutely should be should be used. Uh, but I think the in-restaurant in or in-venue uh, experience to have that balance of human interaction would be extremely uh, extremely important i think the other part of that as well technology technology works on data um, so it's important that if consumers use data to facilitate their customer journey or brands use technology to facilitate their customer's journey it's extremely important that with that data they then communicate and use that in the right way uh, going forward as well and not you know, let that rest. It's extremely important to continue that customer journey and that conversation, whether it be by a bi-monthly or monthly communication or if it's somebody's birthday or if you know they haven't been in for the last three months, let's send that a we miss you message. Or if, you know, somebody has been coming in quite consistently over the last four or five weeks, we want to reward them for their loyalty. So I think it will be really important that pre, during and post technology will always play a part in the industry. But I I just hope that we don't lose that human interaction because I think it's all about 
people um, and us as businesses as well working from home. It's great to have Zoom calls um, and Microsoft team meeting calls. Absolutely, you know, there's no issue with that. But I think people will be literally itching to to have face-to-face conversations. And I've had a number of face-to-face conversations in the last four or five weeks. Um, and people have, people have craved that. And I think that's something that certainly post-lockdown people will want to have a lot more of. Yeah, and I think that's what I've heard from many people as well. That's like the the worst thing about this, because besides this winter with the second lockdown and we have to close down, it's the, uh, you know, for the average person, it's the ability to go out and interact in a way. And uh, I think also people have become a bit Zoom fatigue. You know, I, I know for myself, I try to keep it uh, Zoom down to a minimum. Uh, every day because it just takes a different level of energy out of you then uh, you you don't get anything back if i that's the probably the best way i can say it correct yeah it's you know it, it's tough and i think you know i think i mentioned to you when i was on a previous phone call the one thing that i always do every morning I'll, I'll be up at six in the morning and i'll go for a walk for an hour just to set myself straight in terms of uh what the the, the plan is for the day ahead and for the next few days as well just to kind of clear their head which you know, it, it certainly helped, you know, with me and, 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 and the business. It also gives me the opportunity to catch up with the rest of the team who are based out in Australia and some of the team here in the in the UK as well. So I think it's extremely important also from a from a uh, mental, you know, mental health uh, position as well, where we've seen a lot, of, lot more of that come into play in the last uh, four or five months and become, you know, you know, huge amount of media attention really purely, you know, and when you think about staff who may have been on furlough, or who may be made redundant, you know, they're going through a lot, you know, they're going through a huge amount, you know, so, you know, it's to, it's to help brands and, and show some, you know, empathy and, and, and sympathy that, you know, what they're going through, you know, we're, we're all kind of in the same boat, we're all going through a similar process, some more drastic than others, but we're all in the same boat where we've not, not got that human interaction. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why um, I'll put almost like I, I like to call non-negotiables in my in my day-to-day working life by getting up at six in the morning um, and go for an hour's work just to make sure that what I've got to do for, for the day is all planned out. So it gives you some sort of structure and gives you some sort of routine. And I think that's one of the biggest um, disadvantages of working from home is the ability to still continue to try and have that routine and structure um, in place. And that works across our customers and our uh, brand and operators use our platform to their customers as well. So they're still trying to continue to have a, a, a routine as much as possible, certainly during this pandemic. Otherwise, you, you, to put it bluntly, you go mad. And you're right. It's that again. I think again, you know, technology can't save one of the most uh, fragile things we will have upon us the next couple of months is our mental health. That's a uh, that's one thing technology definitely not can solve. It can probably help facilitate a lot of things. There's meditations, apps, and all that kind of things. But yeah, I think it's uh, you know it's about taking care of ourselves and our loved ones. That's going to be very critical as we move forward, as you indicate. Uh, absolutely, um, you know, I think we, we always took the decision at the beginning is you know we're we're in this together. So how how can we help operators? And because. Um, Australia, in fact, went into lockdown before we did, but came out of lockdown earlier. Um, they developed a, a, a track and trace app to help with uh, tracking uh, cases in hospitality venues. So what we then did was take the decision to replicate that and launch that here in the in the UK as well, um, where we've received you know amazing feedback. So just before venues were um, allowed to reopen on the 4th of July, we released our free track and trace again just to help and give something back to the operators where the backs were already up against the wall they had no revenue uh being generated over the last four months so they had to be compliant it was a government policy that venues had to be compliant unfortunately the government weren't in a place to to uh, release their own nhs app uh, at the time so us uh, as well as some other um operators um within the hospitality industry released their track and trace uh app so we gave it out to the whole industry you know free of charge no you know no, no cost whatsoever um and we've had between 10 to twelve thousand locations and venues uh use the platform which has been amazing um you know and a, a you know great response in, in terms of helping brands and not just only had hospitality venues sign up for the track and trace we've also had other industries from retailers from health services, hospitals, schools, colleges, institutions. So, you know, we certainly feel that not only we've helped 
the hospitality sector, which is, yes, where our focus has been over the last 12 to 18 months, but we've also had an impact, given the ability to help other businesses and given uh, had an impact on other sectors as well to help where we can really, which has been you know, fantastic, uh, has been amazing really, to be honest with you. And we'll continue to do that. And yes, the NHS have now, or the government have uh, obviously announced and released their, their own NHS app recently, but brands are now using both um, in tandem with each other, in parallel with each other, purely the fact that you've got customers who may not be willing to download the NHS app or not using the app, but customers and operators still need to be compliant to track customer data. So that's where they will use our platform, for example. So we've tried to help and, and wanting to help operators and, and brands where we can over the last uh, six months. And we'll certainly continue to do so as well. How do you see, uh, you know, with all this going on and we have this second lockdown where we, have, we will see how we will get through that, how long it's going to be, nobody knows. That's uh, It seems like it's a bit longer than four weeks from what, how, how it's been communicated. That was a bit of a slip in communication, I think you can say easily there. Uh, and I think we all knew if we, we really put our our thinking hat on and thought as a scientist, it's probably not. And looked at Australia, as you said, I said to many people, just look at what happened in Melbourne in Australia, how long it took them to get out of the second lockdown. Absolutely. I think they were in for about three months where it was initially anticipated to be four weeks. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and they're just coming out now and they're still very slowly opening up and I'm not trying to to paint a dismal picture of what's going to happen, but it's definitely always worth to see what happens other places to get an idea about how long it can take and don't believe you're out before you're out in a way. Um But coming back to that, what kind of industry do you, from what you know today, and I know it's a bit like crystal ball question, you know, what what, what do you think the future looks from hospitality? You spend your whole life in it. How how do you think it's going to look in 12 to 18 months? <laughs> Who's going to be, you know, you can be really brutal or say it another way. Well, how how is the, the winners looking of, of this? And how is the, you know, the people, the lost looking? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, and you know, I wish we all had crystal ball in terms of where we would be, you know, in twelve or eighteen months' time. Um, one thing is for sure is that the hospitality sector, you know, is extremely resilient. And yes, there will be some casualties, but there'll certainly be operators who are, you know, in, in small, you know, small size with smaller states who are a lot more agile and can move quite quickly. And what we've seen quite often, you know, almost two camps really. I've seen one camp of operators who are you know, small enough and, you know, that might be anything from zero to 10 or 15 um, sites who are, you know, resilient, who are agile, who can move quite quickly, you know, move to demands and consumers and having the ability to implement the, the right uh, tech um, within their within their businesses as well and almost using the, this downtime to ensure that they've got everything in place. So when restrictions start, do start to ease off, you're in a place where they can shoot out the blocks very very quickly they're not left behind so they're almost on the front foot and maximizing that time and then you've got another camp where almost sitting um i wouldn't you know, wouldn't say sitting on the ropes but almost you know seeing how the industry and how the sector unravels um over the next three or four months really which sometimes can be a little bit dangerous really because if it does start to ease up and and and, and uh, restrictions start to to ease off Uh, they then have to start the planning stage where really, to be honest with you, they should be doing that in this downtime period or planning uh, for for the, ne for the next quarter and for the next six to 12 months to be honest with you. So I've certainly seen two two um, two camps from that perspective as well. You know, I think certainly there'll be consolidation um, of estates, um, you know, obviously uh, closure of venues. But at the same time, I always think that in in a world where there's lots of negativity, Um, and pessimism, you know, there's also uh, opportunities and also positive optimism uh, as well. And I think certainly the smaller independents, you know, the younger entrepreneurs who uh, uh, who want to venture into the hospitality sector, there's a great opportunity for them to to create you know, new innovative concepts who are a lot more agile. Um, we can also take advantage of, unfortunately, other businesses who've, who've closed or, or collapsed, unfortunately. So I think as well as businesses consolidating and closing, I think we'll certainly see a surge in um, new operators, new ways of, of dining, I think in-home experience and in-home experience. And I think collaborations uh, with third parties and uh, brands will, will increase hugely. 
Um, I think the fact that delivery will grow, we've got some brands and, you know, one of my customers, Chicken and Blues, who've now converted one of their sites into a almost a dark kitchen. Shake Shack have done the same thing where they've uh, created uh, dark kitchens uh, across the UK, well, across England now. One, I think they've recently opened in, in Brighton as well. So to reduce overhead, they're still giving the ability for customers to have their favourite meal or to eat at their favourite brand as well. So I think we'll see a lot more uh, delivery model dark kitchens as opposed to venues and brands taking you know larger brick and mortar sites as well. I think uh, technology, yes, I think it will continue to grow. I think it will play a large part and I think it will be extremely important that brands who have their existing customer base, that they harness that, they protect that, they make sure that they're communicating in the right way at the right time with the right messaging, I think it will become a lot more important to ensure that they're engaging with their customers in the right way. Um, um, and I think um, in terms of the customer experience, from whether it be online-led or in-venue will become a lot more important. Um, I think when me, even as a customer, want to make sure that we felt safe, uh, we trust the brand. So cust- so brands would have to ensure that, you know, they're fully, you know, uh, protecting their, their, their guests. And I think we do it pretty well anyway. I think hospitality, more than any other sector, do extremely well. And it just shows the latest uh, cases, you know, where only hospitality were like 2%. Uh, accounted for the overall uh, cases uh, across England, to be honest. So that says it all, really. So I think we're pretty good at that anyway. But I think, you know, it is, a, it is an interesting question. You know, I wish I had a, had a, um, a crystal ball, but I think the sector is, is, is resilient. There will be some casualties, but there will be a lot more new creative concepts, entrepreneurs that will almost come out of the woodwork, I think. And I think also there might be more of an emphasis on localization, so more regional suburb uh, concepts so almost you know for example london bringing the west end or bringing the vibe of you know certain uh, eclectic uh, regions uh, in london such as shortage for example but bringing that out to the suburbs almost so i think there'll be a lot more uh, local and i think um, uh, customers are happy to support local operators um, as well and, and potentially some brands where they might wanted to have a presence in the city centre, they might look to start to uh, uh, regions which are a lot more affluent um, outside of, you know, Greater London or other cities uh, across the UK, I think as well. So I think it's not just one area uh, where I think uh, the food and business, uh, the food and drink business will will evolve. I think there's lots of different facets uh, to, to think about really from that perspective. Yeah, and I think especially the one thing you said, I uh, agree with most of the things you said, and I think it's really one that really uh, it's going to be important is this entrepreneurial part, you know, if it's in in entrepreneurial in assistant business where you know they they reinvent themselves, but also there's an opportunity now. It's actually okay to trade from a hole in a wall again. You don't have to start with the whole big chew bang. You can actually start either a dark kitchen. A food truck, it's much easier to take this journey now because you can actually, in a, in, in, in a reasonable time, if you want a bridge and mortar location, if that's right for that point or that time and people going out again, it will be a totally different contract you're signing. And therefore, it becomes a viable business. So I think that's a, that's one of the key things you say. That it's about being an entrepreneurial person now or company and get the best entrepreneurial skills out of you so you can really change the game while you're, while you're in this. Uh, absolutely, and I agree. I think the barriers to entry uh, are probably a lot less, um, you know, in terms of if you want to test out your new concept, you know, there's so many different types of opportunities from pop-ups to, you know, market halls, um, trade, you know, traders um, who are coming all over, coming up all across the UK. And I think lots of other operators with large spaces will be looking to rent out spaces. Uh, you know, spaces within their own venues as well to help out local traders and entrepreneurs as well. So I think, you know, for a, a testing ground is a great opportunity uh, for new entrepreneurs. So I always believe that, you know, yes, we're in, we're in this world where we are at the moment, but there will certainly be some winners coming out of it. Uh, but they're the ones who can work quite quicker, you know, being more strategic, being a lot more agile, you know, resilience, you know, almost like I said, you know, previously, stay in their lane. So, yes, they need to look at other ways to generate cash um, and other revenue streams. But, you know, still you know, at the heart of it, 
um, believe in their core values um, as, a, as, a, as a proposition because that's what their consumers and that's what their audience are bought into. So it's how then do you start then filtering that out across different uh, other facets of your business. So in the end of the, the conversation, uh, Dylan, we always uh, ask the guests to give their you know top top advice to to leaders and people out there in the industry right now. And with the second lockdown, I don't know if this is the angle, but what is uh, what is your three top three advice in in all this chaos? Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, good. Good question again, and, and no particular order really. I think that the first one is um, value in your customers, value in your data. You know, data is cash. Data is king. Um, it's your data asset. It's your digital um, asset almost. To be honest, and I think truly believe that operators should be protecting it and harnessing it and evolving that uh, that audience of theirs. Really, um, I believe going forward there'll be a stronger alliance on, on data and communicating a lot more effectively to develop a more of a one-to-one relationship um, with the uh, with the with their audience, with their consumers. Really, so. Brands now who can take that time out to develop, you know, their audience, their communication strategy, almost invest in the recovery, I believe, will be extremely important uh, because the audience that you have are your best customers. You know, they've engaged. How do you continuously engage with? Because, for example, as soon as these restrictions ease off in the first or second week in December, who are you going to rely on? Who are your loyal customers? Who are your advocates that you're hoping that will come back in again? time after time uh, to to buy into your brand and continuously buy into your brand as well. So I think that's certainly one area I think that will certainly be crucial. I think also um, I think venues and brands need to be prepared to be versatile, um, you know, and maximise revenue streams as well. I think the fact that, you know, if they are or only have been a, a bricks and mortar site, how can they um, – work in other different sectors, uh, sorry, excuse me, same sectors, but how can they start to divert into other revenue streams, whether it be online, uh, delivery, prepaid. We've seen so many different other incremental revenue generating platforms that allow venues and brands to do that, just to ensure that they're top of mind to their audience as well. How do you essentially, you know, sweat your asset um, if you've got bricks and mortar site as well? So whether that be, you know, office, um, um in office, uh, uh, you know, get-togethers in the future, or whatever the case may be. But I think it's really, really important um, that venues and brands maximise um, their channels, their digital channels, and maximise their revenue streams to to try and get, you know, generate as much cash as possible. Um, and I think that the last one, um, and it probably sounds a little bit of a, a cop-out, really, but I think it's being positive. Um, I think, you know, it's really easy to be caught up in the general kind of media um, about, you know, where we are, where businesses, you know, are, are, are traveling and trading. But I think the key core of um, uh, of or, or, or the, ess- the essence of being positive for me is extremely important. And purely the fact that is there's no point worrying about what might happen, you know, because it's not already happened. You know, try and focus on what you can control. You know, in your in, in in your current situation, you know, be positive. I know it's easier said than done, but me being a previous operator and had my, and own my own restaurant, it is hard. Um, but you know, you as an owner or as an or as an entrepreneur, you know, what you give off as your buy, you know, will certainly transfer to the rest of your teams, to your consumers. What you put out there into uh, the public, whether it be via press or social media, so. Even though it's hard to be positive, I think it's really important to try and be as positive for as many people as you can for your brand um, going into the next uh, three, three, three months for sure. Yeah, and it's a bit like you know, positive confronting this uh, reality we we are in because that's you know it's it's probably vital to success. Uh, I talk a lot about a book called Good to Great, one of my favorite books, and and there's a there's a there's a chapter in there called the Stockdale Paradox, and it comes from a. A, a, a guy that was actually captured in uh, in in prisons in the Vietnam War, so he was in a prison camp, and he he was very focusing on this. You know, there has to be a you know there's, there has to be a balance between realism and optimism, but you need to be optimistic and you need to stop putting timelines on when you're gonna be on the other side. And I think this is very important in this situation right now that we don't say we out this summer because what happens to people in the prison camp to say they were out. 
this summer on the other side, they died uh, uh, because they got so disappointed that they can't couldn't mentally keep themselves up. So this is about this conversation about there will be a way through. It will not be easy, and there will be numbers of loops and waves we have to go through to to get to the other side. But there is a way out. And if you keep that, I'm also a very big believer of that the universe sometimes hand you cards you wouldn't have given in your hand uh, as well. And, and and as human, we are we're drawn to positivity, aren't we? No matter what. Correct. Yeah, I think it's extremely important to keep that. I think if you don't have that, you're already on the ropes. You're already on your back foot um, already. So you know, you know, you haven't got any chance of survival if you're not if you're not positive. So I think to have that attitude. Um, and that that value, you know, for for yourself, for your brand, your staff, your customers, it's extremely important, really. Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, we've not, you know, um, the, you know, the cards that we've all been dealt uh, are extremely unfortunate. And you know, nothing in in life um, is is pretty straightforward. You know, sometimes you have to take a number of different diversions to get to where you want. Um, and it might feel a little bit bleak, and it might feel the fact that. You can't see light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but, you know, everything can't last forever. You know, things change. And it's probably when you least expect it is when things start to happen. And I, you know, I think somebody told me once is that, that the, literally at the point where you think you can't go any further, that's the tipping point where things start start to change. And it's making sure that you can you can, you can go the length and go go through that journey with a positive mindset. With that said, really good way to to end this uh, amazing conversation uh, with you, Dylan. I, I will send you all the power and energy that you and Sprout uh, send needs to to walk through this, and also to your customers and the people that is involved with your business to to get on the other side whenever we reach that point. Sure, I really appreciate that, Michael. Take care. Thank you, Dylan. Some great advice on how to communicate effectively with your customers. And great to hear there's hope for our beloved industry. If you want to get inspired more on how to build and connect with your customers, please check out episode 71 with Mark Smith, the founder of Double Up Social on telling your story. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate or subscribe to one of our channel tune in next time for another interview in the meantime find out more about us and subscribe to our community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com and why not also join the game changer facebook group if you want to be forefront of what progressive leaders are up to in hospitality right now if you didn't get all of this don't worry there will be links in the show notes thanks for listening and be maverick